the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, March the 13th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Yeah, it's Friday the 13th. Don't worry about that. That doesn't mean anything. It just means we're almost halfway through March. March 13th, 2013. Jorge Bengalio, I think that's the way you pronounce it, of Argentina, was elected Pope. He chose the name Francis. He was the first pontiff from the Americas and the first from outside Europe in more than a thousand years. Today in 1639, New College, that's what they called it when they opened it, was renamed Harvard College for the clergyman John Harvard. John Harvard, a minister, a pastor, had started that college. He didn't want to name it after himself, so he just called it New College. It was the first one in America. Oh, it has become something very different than what John Harvard, Pastor John Harvard, had in mind. He said at the time he had opened New College, later Harvard University, to train up people for the ministry, men for the ministry, so they could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the natives, and others. That's a quote. Today in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed a measure prohibiting Union military officers from returning fugitive slaves to their owners. Today in 1865, Confederate President Jefferson Davis signed a measure allowing black slaves to enlist in the Confederate States Army with the promise that they would be set free. Today in 1925, the Tennessee General Assembly approved a bill prohibiting the teaching of the theory of evolution. Governor Austin P. <coughs> excuse me, he signed the measure on March 21. That became a court battle, as we know, and I won't take the time to get into that today, but uh, there's that element in the culture then and now that just can't accept creationism. Today, in 1933, banks in the United States began to reopen after a holiday. The holiday had been declared by Franklin D. Roosevelt. Big financial problems in the early 1930s, as we all know. I think most of us listening to us, some of you, I, I wasn't alive in those days, but boy, I heard about it as a kid growing up. People that I grew up around were still talking about it as though it were yesterday. Today, in 1934, a gang that included John Dillinger and Babyface Nelson, they robbed the First National Bank in Mason City, Iowa. They made off with $52,344. Now, $52,344 is a lot of money. I know that would go a long ways to extend this ministry, but think of how much that was in those days. Today, in 1980, Ford Motor Company chairman, Henry Ford II, he announced he was stepping down. There had been a lot, a lot of negative press. The same day that he announced he was stepping down, a jury 
in Winnemac, Indiana, found the company not guilty of reckless homicide in the fiery deaths of three young women. They were killed in a Ford Pinto. As I recall, I, I could be mistaken, but as I recall, I think it had to do with the Ford Pinto was rear-ended and it burst into flames and the, the gas tank was there in the back and it had not been properly designed or engineered when they, the Ford Pinto was built. It had something to do with that. It was a big deal. Anyway, Henry Ford II stepped down the same day that Ford was found not guilty, the company. One year ago today, a late winter storm brought blizzards, floods, and a tornado across more than 25 states from the northern Rocky Mountains of Texas, or down to Texas, and beyond. That used to be called global warming. Now it's called climate change. Now it's called the existential threat of climate change. I heard, I heard Joe Biden say the other day that we have seven to eight years before it's, it becomes irreversible. That is based on Ocasio-Cortez's statement in her New Green Deal that we had 12 years, and that was a couple of years ago. Joe got his math a little bit wrong, but that's what that was based upon. So he's accepted that as a fact, and he's done the math. He made a little error in his subtraction, but he's now saying, he's picking that up. He didn't quote her. He didn't mention her. But he said, he said, we have seven to eight years before the existential threat of climate change will be irreversible. Well, it's snowing on the east side of King County. It's snowing in Issaquah this morning. It's not sticking, but it's snowing. I don't think that's an existential threat except to the daffodils that are blooming, but Anyway, that's the world we live in, isn't it? Seattle Times says this morning, an earthquake for parents, children, teachers, schools closing for more than a month. They say what I think most of us know here and across the nation, all K-12 through schools, public and private in King, Snohomish and Pierce counties are closing through at least April 24 to slow the spread of the uh, novel coronavirus, that's the Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus, that's the politically correct, one of the political, politically correct names for it. They say the shutdown could extend longer. This has families, I'm quoting from their lead little teaser paragraph, this has families scrambling and some districts hurrying to figure out how to educate kids from a distance. Will it help stem the virus? Will it help stem the virus spread? And it says, here's what research says, and there's a link there to a lengthy story. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Just I want to lift one comment out of that lengthy story. We're not going to go through that. Even my wife wouldn't want to go through that with me. But it's long, and it's it's probably well thought out. It's very positive of of the governor, of course. But I want to come back to that story. What Here's what research says in just a moment. But the Spokesman Review in Spokane says Spokane schools preparing for closure order after schools in three west side counties shuttered. That's the headline. Oregon closed all schools in the state yesterday. Brazil's president 
has tested positive for the Wuhan or the Chinese virus. That is just days after he met with President Trump in Florida at Trump's resort down there, Mar-a-Lago. Now there's a big to-do in the media is President Trump obviously was could have been exposed. Is he going to get this? You know, I don't know, but that's what's going on. That whole notion of this virus is dominating the world. All of the news is falling around the virus, and it should be. People are concerned. Some people are panicked. It's a big deal. This story, long story, in the uh, Seattle Times this morning, is written by Hannah Perfeco or Ferfaro or something like that. I, I don't know her. I know some of the, in fact, quite well, some of the reporters at the Times. I don't, I don't know of any of them that agree with me, but I know them, and there's kind of a respect there, and we, we have contact. And um, anyway, she writes this story. The bottom line is that it's, it's very favorable toward the governor and so on. But in the article, she starts with this. Uh, governor Jay Inslee's decision to close schools for at least several weeks in King, Snohomish, Pierce counties is extraordinary in scope. Together, these counties serve several hundred thousand students. And she goes on, and then she says, when Inslee urged Washington schools to plan for the possibility of long-term closures on Wednesday, he said his office is looking closely at emerging research that hints children are relatively immune in the virus' worst effects but remain capable of transmitting it, and then goes on about that. Then she says this, many say it's better to be safe than sorry, but these questions are particularly important given the societal and economic costs of school closures. Schools provide children critical services outside the classroom, such as hot meals, health care, and care before and after the school day. I want to talk to you about that today. Now, if you're listening for the first time or you don't know me and you've maybe heard this program a couple of times, you're probably going to misunderstand where I'm coming from. I am a family man. My wife and I have been married forever, and we have three children. I'm not going to tell you how long because you'll do the math. And I w- you wouldn't believe it if I told you we were both five years old when we got married. But anyway, we've been married a long time. We have three children. We have five grandchildren. I'm really into kids. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Having said that, I love kids with all my heart. I do. But I want to tell you something. Public education When Noah Webster started what we know as public education today, Noah was a founding father, as you know. He had in mind that it would be parent-directed and it would be Bible-based. In fact, he said at one time, he said the only textbook really required is the Bible to get a complete education. That's what he said. I know that was a long time ago, and it was before the Internet, before Al Gore created the Internet. But that was the... That, that was the, the thought. That was the motivation. He wanted all kids to have a chance to be educated. He set up a, a system that's evolved since then. It's evolved downward. It's devolved. Public education has become everything except education today. And this paragraph, just in passing, and I want to put this in fairness. I want to put it in context. This is not what the article was about. It's one paragraph in a very long article that ends up, it raises all kinds of questions. It ends up being very, very supportive of of the governor. And, And, I mean, in fairness, he's probably doing the right thing. 
I don't care for the governor at all, but he's probably making the right decisions. But my point is that I'm lifting this paragraph out of this context. It's a given. It's not even questioned anymore. Is is education really about is it really about hot meals, health care, and babysitting? Please don't misunderstand me. And if you do, I'm sorry, but is that what education is about? The answer, unfortunately, is yes, it is. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. First Peter, he knew about perilous times and difficult times. And he probably, Peter, he knew a lot about, you know, failing and asking for forgiveness and all of that. But Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. A lot of people have cares today as this virus continues to bring down kids, elderly, and it is certainly transforming our culture and the world culture at the moment. Sporting events, all of this stuff is shut down. I mean, major sporting events. Billions and billions and billions of dollars are involved in the decisions that are being made. It is a time for a lot of people, hyper-anxiety. But I just want to tell you this morning, before I continue with what I want to talk about, be anxious for nothing and everything. Give thanks. God is good. God is in control. God loves you. And God will help you and be with you. He will protect you. His hand will be upon you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Just don't be overcome by anxieties or worry. And don't make dumb decisions in a spirit or in a moment of fear or anxiety. Just be calm. Almighty God who created all things We didn't evolve. We didn't just happen to end up here as we are in the human race. God created us in his image, his likeness, and he loves us, and he's with us. And by the way, God is real, and he's very real. He's a very real presence in the lives of believers who have accepted him through his son, Jesus Christ, and who walk with him and talk with him. You are his own. So don't forget that. And all of this noise and all of this confusion. And it is, yeah, it's based in reality. There really is a pandemic around the world. But don't be overcome by it. Education. The Bible is clear about the importance of educating ourselves, our children, and each generation. Education Week reported yesterday that 2,100 schools had already closed across the nation. I wrote an article about it late last night that was published at 5 this morning, went out to thousands of people. But I said it in the article that I wrote, probably many more by the time you read this article, and I was right, many more have. Schools have been closed even since then, and that's updated. But in the article, I put a link to Education Week. 
they're reporting this in real time. And you can go to the link and go to our article, faithandfreedom.us. And in there, under you'll see educa- Education Week, the word highlighted, and you can click that and go to a, a uh, it's a dynamic uh, report on how many schools are closed and where. It goes through the whole nation. And you can find yours and look at it or, or whatever. But I would encourage you to do that if you want to keep up with what's going on. But Michael Donnelly, he's an attorney with the Homeschool Defense Association, HSLDA. And in fairness, I want to tell you that Marjorie and I have supported them and do support them because we believe in homeschooling, believe in other forms, Christian education as well. But Michael Donnelly's an attorney with the Homeschool Defense Association, and he says this situation lends itself to having a conversation about how children are educated. And I hearken back to the paragraph that I lifted out of this long story in the Seattle Times this morning, talking about the fact that one of the big disruptions of closing schools has to do not with education. Education wasn't even mentioned in that paragraph or throughout the article. I'm not criticizing the article. I generally kind of agree with what she's saying, and she's agreeing with the governor and, and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what I'm my point is that when we think of public education, the first thing that comes to our mind is, wow, who's going to babysit my kid when he gets out of school? The first thing that comes to mind is who's going to provide meals. And again, kids, I would go to the end of the earth to feed a hungry child. Jesus himself highlighted that. But I will tell you that many of these kids that are not being fed are not being fed because their parents have not put the the focus of their life on their kid. Oh, they might love their children, but they haven't made that a focus of their life. That's what we're really looking at here today. And when the, when Donnelly came out with this, and it was a national article, he says, I think people are going to be confronted with a question because education in a school may have to stop just because of the coronavirus. He says the trans, uh, transition from a school to homeschooling is not nearly as difficult as parents may believe. In fact, his organization is now providing a quick start guide and a video with seven steps to help parents who may be faced with the prospect of school closure and may consider this crisis situation a time to explore homeschooling as a regular education option for their children. And I want to tell you today, I'm not promoting them. I I don't know Donnelly. I, I mean, I've heard of him, but I've never met him. But I will tell you that this is something that Christian parents should consider in the day and age in which we live today. And this is a good time to think about it because everything's up in the air. The public schools are not prepared to teach your child online. I mean, they're the first to say that. They're saying, we're not prepared, but we'll do the best we can. One article I read in um, another state, I can't remember where it was, but they said one of the school teachers, the, the head of the, the union or something, said, we'll try to get by. And I think that was an honest statement, but it's very revealing. Donnelly says parents who are pressed into somewhat of a homeschooling situation now because of this coronavirus Uh, coronavirus crisis may actually be surprised by the benefits of homeschooling. Yes, he's taking advantage of the situation. He's saying, hey, there is a better way. And there is. He says, we don't know what this pandemic is going to look like, but it may end up changing people's behavior. And as people have the opportunity to figure out education with their children in a homeschooling context, some people, I think, are going to say, 
you know, this isn't so bad. In fact, this is kind of good, and I think we're going to keep doing this. The Cato Institute has been saying for a long time, and I'm not a, a disciple of the Cato Institute. I believe a lot of what they say, not all. But Neil McCluskey there, he's the director of Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. He says, and they advocate for charter school and, and all kinds of, of freedoms, which I do agree with. But he says lots of change happens in a crisis. I think there's going to be a lot more homeschooling. And public education is saying, well, we may have to close, but we're, not, we're going to try and deliver curriculum some way online. And that is exactly what they're saying. Tina Hollenbeck is the owner of the Homeschool Research Roadmap and the Christian Homeschool Oasis, two very active and very successful uh, organizations and operations. She says she's seen an uh, increase in interest in homeschooling, but she makes this warning. She says, we insist that the clear delineation between actual independent homeschooling on the one hand and any uh, iteration of public school at home on the other be strictly maintained. And she goes on, and I won't go through the article, but she talks about how that we must define between getting being taught at home versus homeschooling. And I'm not talking about being taught at school. I'm not talking about bringing high school or junior high school or middle school or whatever home from public education into your home to substitute them sitting in a class because of this virus. What I'm really talking about is rethinking the whole idea of how we educate our children. What is the process of this? The National Center of Education Statistics say that the number of homeschoolers has more than doubled between 1999 and 2012. 850,000 uh, kids were involved then. That's 1.7% of the students in America. 1.8 million are now involved, and 3.4% of all school-age children are involved in homeschool. It's had a tremendous growth. But I think Justin Hawkins... Hoskins wrote an article for Town Hall recently. That's a, owned by Salem Broadcasting, or the Salem Corporation of Christian Broadcasting. And in that, in that article, it's titled, America's Public Schools Have Become Socialist Indoctrination Factories. And he makes the point, and he's talking specifically about socialism there, but that could be said about a number of other things, too. I totally agree with him. He used Congressman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as a recent visible example of the product of public education. He notes that she wants to insert government into every aspect of your life through this new Green Deal, and she does. From education to health care to the kind of car you drive, every part of your life. And that is the underlying drive in what we see in the liberal movement, the progressives today. That's why Nancy Pelosi can quote all the scripture she wants to quote. Chuck Schumer doesn't quote scripture, but he refers to God occasionally. He's a, he's a Jew. But they can quote all the scripture they want. They can act pious. They can, you know, use the words, buzzwords from religion and Christianity in particular. But I will tell you at the heart of it, at the heart of it, their drive is to socialize and secularize America through education. And that's well underway. Joe Biden made the cockeyed comment the other day, day before yesterday. It was lost in the virus news. But he said, this is a quote. 
Religious freedom is a fundamental American value, but states have inappropriately used broad exemptions to allow business, medical providers, social service agencies, state and local government officials, and others to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people. The Trump-Pence administration has deliberately and systematically attempted to gut protections for the LGBTQ community by carving out broad religious exemptions to existing non-discrimination laws and policies against federal agencies. I will reverse Trump's policies misusing these broad exemptions. Translated, if you affirm what the Bible says about homosexual practice and biological sex, meaning... God created male and female, not all kinds of variations, in his likeness and his image. If you practice that, if you believe that, and if you say it out loud, you're guilty of hate. And under Joe Biden and all of that crowd, it isn't just Joe. He's not a lot more than a puppet, I mean, honestly, but at this point in his life. But you're guilty. And you will be punished by law because they've put the laws in place, particularly under the Obama administration. That's what I'm talking about. And your kid, your child, or your grandchild is growing up in an atmosphere where this is hammered into their brains and their minds every single day. And it's done so while parents are off somewhere else with a different emphasis. And now when we're looking at education, the first thing out of the mouth of a journalist And I'm not criticizing her. I'm using her as an example. Hannah, or whatever her name is. The first thing out of the mouth is, well, how are we going to feed these kids? Who's going to pick them up? I mean, what about after school? How about What about staying at school? I mean, who's the babysitter? That's what education has become. Make no mistake. Education is no longer education. It's indoctrination. And they are stealing the children of this nation and of the Christian community. And we sit quietly by like the frog in the kettle. And they turn up the heat and we're about to boil. And it feels pretty comfortable. Way too comfortable. Well, this is a day that I need a lot more time. Way more time. But I don't have it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8 tells parents, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to teach these disciplines... To our children, we're instructed to teach them diligently. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. We're told to embed these principles and beliefs into the child's mind and heart. Even write them, even write them, the Bible says, on the doorposts of your home and on the gates. This doesn't match up very well with inserting kids into a yellow bus, trusting public education as your surrogate. I understand the ramifications of homeschooling, financial and otherwise. I get that. I do. But I'll tell you, we need to rethink this thing. And maybe this is a good time for you to rethink it or your children. Put some influence and some, put a little pressure on your married parent children if you're a grandparent. We need to think about this. Public education has miserably failed. And it's become a tool in the hands of people who do not represent any part of what a biblical Christian believes. We're told to train up our child in the way he should go, and I will tell you that is not training up a child in the way he should go by allowing the state to become your surrogate for parenting. 
I know this is direct, but I think it's important. So think about it. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Have a great weekend. Be safe. I'll see you right here on Monday.